Welcome to this podcast from Mess to Miracle. Christianity plays a huge role in the fabric of our lives. To be honest, life is messy. Yet in the midst of the mess, God still uses us. The fact that God does is a miracle. This podcast is designed to inspire you in your walk with God and connect you with people and ministries that could be a blessing in your life. You will hear inspiring stories of believers exercising their faith to create miracles in their community. Welcome to From Mess to Miracle. My guest today, Alan T. Black, was raised and grew up in the United Methodist Church. While he proudly embraced his background and personal history within the United Methodist Church, he felt that ultimately what is important is not the denomination that you're a part of. What matters most is the relationship that you have with the Lord. Part and parcel to any relationship is, is the level of commitment that one makes to it. With all relationships, they're going to take time to grow. Through the years, Alan described the relationship with the Lord by using one word, and that would be transformation. We welcome Alan to the show. Well, Alan, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you on today. Thank you, Mr. Haney. It's been, it's been an amazing story, but still not sure what's going on in my life at this point. I haven't gone down this road, but thank you again for the honor. I, you know, every time I get a chance to do an interview, I really just find myself thinking, I, this is just hard to believe where Lord has brought me as far as this journey over the last, I guess, seven years. I, I still shake my head and I just, I just shake my head and say, God, I don't know about you sometimes. You're just too much. You're just too much. <laughs> that's right. But you led me there. You, you obviously won't leave me there, right? Yeah, that's true. Trust me, that is true. <laughs> without question. Without question, sir. So I'm going to give you a question to kind of warm you up, and then we'll kind of get into some more deeper, darker questions down the road. <laughs> oh, gee. Boy, now the pressures really are. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but So what's the best advice you've ever received? Think about your life. Could it be about writing or whatever that is? Whatever that most important question for you is, what's the best advice you ever received? I think the best advice, Mr. Haney, has just been to continue to pursue what it is that you have a passion for. And it almost became a source of advice in a reverse manner because of my grandmother. She had an experience, and this was in the 1930s or so, and she had the opportunity, Mr. Hay, to go to Europe to tour as a female Black operatic singer. Wow. And this was rare because, you know, in the 30s, that just did not happen. No. So she passed up the opportunity. And for the rest of her life, she said she was haunted by the fact that she didn't do that. Even when she was in her 80s and her 90s, she would talk about it almost daily, about how much she really regretted it. And I realized now the lesson coming out of that was, you know what? You only get one go around in this life. So if you've got a chance to go for it, go for it. And I never forgot that. And I could see the pain in her face. I could hear in her voice when she was talking about how she regretted it like 60, 70 years later. And she still regretted it. 
I never forgot that. Yeah. I never forgot that. I said, you know what? What I'm going to learn from this whole lesson is you've only got one chance at this. So you got to go for it. And yeah. you've got to see what's going to happen because the worst thing that can happen is you, you would fail. But even with that being the case, you made the effort to go for it. And I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines like my grandmother at 80 years old saying, man, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done that because it just hung over her like a shadow for 60, 70 years before she passed. And I said, I, that's not an experience I would wish on anybody, man. Yeah, no, that's no, hard. That really is hard. Did she ever say why she didn't take the, take the chance? Well, part of it was due to the fact that she was married to my grandfather at the time. And he was just nagging on her not to go. And she gave in and she listened against her own intuition. And she made him pay for it the rest of his life. I'll say that much without question. And he deserved it because he was being selfish and being insecure. But nonetheless, she said the final decision was mine. And I'm the one that said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I could see where, like I said before, it hurt her. And I think in my grandfather's eyes, I think he knew after the fact that, man, he had made a major mistake because it was a source of unhappiness for the rest of her life. And it's something that it's not an opportunity she could get back like at 50 or 60 years old. It's gone. So they both got to live with that decision and the choice that she made. So I think from that perspective, it was one of those things that I said, you know what, there's a whole lot to learn here. And it's all about taking the opportunity and, and taking a chance. Yeah, because they don't come back around. Maybe one time you got a shot at it, and then after that, that's it. It's gone. Yeah, I remember I was I had a decision one time, either go play football or go get in the band. I joined the band. <laughs> but I enjoyed that. So I never looked back going, man, I could have been a star football player. But, you know, everybody always asked me, did I play football? I'm like, no, I was in the band. I'm like, I still got on the field. They still cheered. Nobody hit me. It worked out really well. Hey, and you can still walk. You don't have bad knees because the university I went to, one of my friends, he played football. Man, Mr. Haney, now he's limping. His knee's bad. He's got to get his hip replaced, and as much as we like football, the truth of the matter is the human body in terms of its anatomy is not designed for football because they said a football collision is like you running into your garage at 20 miles an hour over and over again, and your body cannot sustain that type of impact without there being some collateral damage somewhere down the line. I mean, you see the retired players, the legends who are 50 and 60 years old, walking around on canes, their back is all messed up, or CTE. It's just affirmation of the fact that, yes, it's entertaining, and yes, you have your glory moments, but what happens when the laughter or when the cheering stops? And then it's just you at 45 or 50 years old. I think about one guy I really admired when I was in college, uh, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett was a monster at Pittsburgh and at Dallas. But now because of those kids and everything, he's got CTE from what I understand. And it's a devastating impact, not just on him, but his family. And so I, I look at that and I say, you know, because I wanted to play football, but I wasn't going to get that 5'8 and 145. That wasn't going to happen. Okay, my father said, bro, that ain't going to happen. You can forget that idea. 
But now when I look at some of my friends who did play football, because I'm in I'm in Nebraska, right next to Iowa. And so some of these guys that play for the Cornhuskers, like I said, they've had knee replacements, hip replacements, their backs all messed up. And I'm thinking, you know what? You know, God, you knew what you were doing when you didn't make me a football player because I would have been out there just getting myself banged up. And you don't think about the lingering injuries you're going to have when you're 20 or 21 years old because you think you're invincible, you're going to live forever. But then when the other side kicks in, you're 45, 50, 55, and then you start feeling the impact of that, that's where those choices really start to come back with the consequence. So in that respect, I'm glad I did not play a sport like football because as small as I was, man, they'd have killed me. Right. <laughs> they'd kill me. So, so tell an audience something about, something about you nobody doesn't know about you, some secret that nobody knows about you. Well, this writing journey, I don't know if I mentioned it to you when we first started talking, really and truly has nothing to do with being an author in the respect that I wanted to be an author, become a Christian author. My writing background is really in music. I'm a lyricist, so I'm the one that writes the lyrics for a song that you hear on the radio. That really and truly, Mr. Haney, is my passion passion. That's really what I enjoy doing more than anything else. I started doing that probably in about 78, 79, somewhere in there. A good friend of mine I went to college with had a recording studio, so he was gracious enough to allow me to come in and kind of learn from him, the ins and outs of the business, to collaborate on some projects, being a lyricist for stuff in gospel, some soul and some hip hop and R&B and stuff like that over the last 30 or 35 years. But that realistically, man, that's really what I really enjoy doing. That, that more than anything, there's just something about the lyrics that you hear in a song that really is just magical to me. And lyrics are so powerful that you can be 80 years old and you can hear a song from when you were 15 or 16 and you can instantly pick up those lyrics automatically. There's something mathematical or almost chemical in the brain where it just instantly regenerates that storyline. And that's really where my writing heart is at. It sounds weird to say, but it wasn't really about being a Christian author because that was not something that was really on the radar. I, I had no interest in being a Christian author. None. Wow. And 2015, the Lord just began to move me in a whole different direction where he had me to start writing these kind of short, inspirational type of essays. And it just had me keep writing and writing and writing. And Mr. Hayden, the thing that was scary about it for me was from a lyricist perspective, I'm writing, I'm writing within a structure. If I write something today, six months from now, if you wake me up in the middle of the night, I can recall exactly what I wrote. But when I went into this realm of being a Christian author, it was totally the opposite. The Lord would speak through me and speak in spite of me to have me write stuff. The Holy Spirit would direct me. I would finish up like one or two essays and... 10 minutes after I wrote it, I couldn't remember what I wrote. And it it scared me to death because I'm thinking, okay, this is not who I am because of my lyrical background and my academic background. I retired from a university. I worked there at that level. So I'm very structured. I'm very logical. There's an order to doing things. 
And so when God took me in this direction, becoming a Christian author, he took me completely off my normal path and had me doing things that were way out of my character, way out of my wheelhouse. And I remember, I remember after I wrote my first couple essays for my first book, Here I Am Lord, back in 17, I remember, Mr. Haney, I went and talked to a friend of mine who's a minister. And I said, okay, this is what's happening. I'm writing these essays. And when I finished, I don't remember what I wrote. And I told him it was scaring me because I'm. this is not who I am. Am I okay? And so I'll never forget, he said, well, are you going to be open to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said it just like that because I'm going to be honest with you and the audience. I wasn't particularly interested in doing this. This is not what I wanted to do. I want to still do my music. And so he said, okay, well, just keep being obedient and, and you'll see where this goes. I said, okay, that, that's fine. We'll, we'll see where this goes. And in my mind, I'm still filled with doubt because I'm thinking, okay, this is just a fluke incident, two or three of these, no big deal. It'll, it'll end quick and I can get back to my music. Never happened. Never happened. I wound up finishing up enough material for my first book called Here I Am Lord, released it in May of 2017. And I'll never forget, when it appeared on Amazon, I sat there and I just looked at the book and just stared at it for like five minutes or so. Not because I was patting myself on the back, I was just staring at the book, Mr. Haney, because I couldn't believe this had happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, God, how did this happen? I mean, you had me write these essays and write and write and write. And you got me to the point through being obedient and following your lead to become a published author. And I'll never forget when the first book came out and some friends of mine from my childhood called and, and congratulated me. And they said, okay, so I'm going to come get your book at the book sign so you can sign it. I was like, okay. Then I hung up the phone and I thought, how come they want my want me to sign their book? I don't understand. That's like for people who write books or something like that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just me. And so I had no plans to do a book sign for my first book. I made the mistake of telling my sister and she just went off on me. She's like, well, you have to have a book signed because you're an author. She said, people want your signature in their book. And I'm like, why? They know who I am. I'm the same kid that grew up in the projects. What are we talking about here? Had the book signed. A bunch of people came and they were like, oh my God, Alice, this is so cool. And can you can you sign my book? And can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, I'm looking around like, I'm not like Eddie Murphy or somebody. What are we talking about here? It's just me. And so... I got the first book done, and then I told God, being being foolish as usual, I said, okay, God, we got the first book done, so now I want to get back to my music now so I can really do what I want to do. And it's an amazing thing about how we have our plan, and then God has his plan. But I, I thank him for the fact that in all my rantings and my just going off the deep end, he didn't pay me any attention. He's not listening to me. He humors me like he does most of us. And he says, okay, I'm going to let you get that out of your system. And then when you're done, we're going to get back to what it is I'm calling you to do. And so and starting at the end of 2017, going into 2018, 
And we start writing material for the second book called In the Spirit Intended, which I released in, I think it was June of 2019. And in 2019 of July, that one actually was recognized as a best-selling book. And I achieved the status of best-selling author through Amazon for the second book, In the Spirit Intended. So I'll never forget when I finished up that one, I ran into a childhood friend probably about two months after I released it and then after my second book signing. And she was like, yeah, that's good. I like that. She said, so now, now we need a third book so we can make it a trilogy. And I'm looking and I'm like, do you know what it takes to write a book, let alone three books? Are you serious? And she was looking at me like, well, you're making excuses. So if you can do two, you can do three. I'm like, and these people think it's just like slicing bread to come up with topics and stuff to write about. <laughs> so I started again. God had me start again for book number three, which is Just a Closer Walk, which is an ebook only, which I released back in June of this year. So this is the third book, starting to gain some popularity and getting out there and everything. And I tell you, Mr. Haney, this has been an amazing journey for, for seven years. I've also done some blogging. I remember from my first book, I reached out to some websites to find out about how to be a blogger. Now, let me backtrack. When someone asked me, well, why don't you write for a blog while you're getting your book ready? I looked at them. I said, what's a blog? <laughs> I, I had no idea. Well, what's a blog? And so they said, well, you have to Google it and then you'll figure it out. I said, okay. So I went and Googled it. I said, well, okay, well, let's see what happened sent off some of my short essays, short inspirational essays to several blog sites. They all said no. And then the very last one I sent to was in Singapore, uh, a blog called the uh, Christian Blessings. And she said, yes. And she asked me to start writing for, and I was like, okay. And I started with her in January, 2016. And I wrote for her until the end of December, 2020. So I actually did that for about five years, and I'm currently writing for a blog called The Dreamers Collection in South Africa. So just kind of doing that as well. And, you know, it's really just about you just have to take that walk of faith. You just have to step out there and see what's going to happen. And I think you also have to be prepared for the fact that, number one, whatever plan God has in store for you, He's going to make sure you get through it and you fulfill your, your calling. But as important as anything else, he's going to make sure you are in front of the right people, people who can help you and who can assist you along the way, and then become a part of your journey. So I could definitely say that's been the case for the last seven years or so as far as getting this done, getting to the point where I achieved best-selling author status on Amazon to the point of a third book, becoming a blogger. None of this was planned. I promise you there was never one minute of this for a second or had any of this planned. I still look around here in September of 2022 and I find myself thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> I'm, still like, I'm still just that kid from the projects who was, a C plus student in college, got out of college. It wasn't wasn't anything to brag about. I got out, and and oh by the way, we're not talking about somebody who started this journey being an author at 40, 35, or whatever. 
Man, I was 60 years old when I started it. 60. And I'm telling God when he first started me down this road, Mr. Andy, I was like, okay, God, now, okay, now let's let's talk about this thing. <laughs> so I'm like 60 years old, so I'm pretty much retired. And there are some really young, energetic people out there who can really do this and take it to the next level. And you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago that I'm always talking to God about what it is that I should, he should be listening to instead of me listening to what it is he's trying to tell me. So he he just blew me off and said, no, bro, I'm not even hearing what you're saying, okay? <laughs> I, I paid you no attention. But it also goes to underscore the fact that age is not a number for God. He doesn't care. I have literally seen some people on some different websites that I follow. I saw one gentleman, he was 80 years old, and he released his first book, I think, last spring. 80. I was like, I was overjoyed. I was happy. And then in the next five seconds, I thought, you know what? I should be ashamed of myself. I was whining about me at 60, and this guy is 80 years old, and he's doing it. Right. So what was I complaining about? You're never too old because you don't know what God has in store for you. And again, if he's called you to do it, he's going to equip you to get to where you need to go. Just be obedient. I will be the first to say that I am a leading candidate of being hard-headed and being stubborn and just saying, I can't do it. It ain't for me. God, you need to find somebody else. Man, I'm a world champion of that, okay? But one thing the journey has taught me is, okay, just be obedient and just give it a try. Just trust God. But in our humanness, I, I think it's natural for us to say, yeah, God, that's good, but. Right. And I've had to learn to remove that but and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a world champion at being obedient and always doing what God tells me with no questions asked. That would be a lie. I'm still in the season where I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. I'm still, I'm, I'm a work in progress because I'm a hot mess most of the time. Okay, but I'm learning that. Okay, just be obedient, and it's going to work out. I never said I was the sharpest knife in the drawer, so I'm learning slow but surely. But I'm finally getting there. Cool. So I want to dig in that look that a little bit more. You kind of opened the door for this question <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> so you have this line in your book: How often have we in our Christian walk been in a point of being backed up against the Red Sea of our own? So tell me your Red Sea moment. Man, there have been so many Red Sea moments, but as much as anything, my Red Sea moment for this journey as a writer was at the very beginning when God was putting it on my heart to start this journey because I immediately went into conversation with him, telling him again, you should look at such and such. You should look at that person. Uh, this other guy, I know he's like a bishop, so I know he'd be a great candidate. And so he just basically brushed all those people aside, and he said, I'm calling you. And so that was a Red Sea moment because I'm backed up against the wall, and I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I wasn't an English major. I wasn't somebody who studied literature in college or even in high school. I'm fairly decent with my writing as such because of my music background. 
but to reach the level of being an Arthur, I'm thinking that's just an Alex Haley type level of something like that. This is way beyond what I was doing. So those were my Red Sea moments. And I think Red Sea moments, as much as anything, are not just spiritual. They become psychological because we internalize a certain level of fear and resistance and we build up a wall. And if we're not careful, we can surround ourselves with that wall where we're just blocking it. And I think a lot of times, if we're not careful, that wall will lock us into the point where we don't think we deserve to be let out of it. So for me, that was my Red Sea moment, was recognizing the fact that, okay, yeah, I'm kind of back up against the seawall here or back in the corner. I'm either going to just surrender and just crumble, or I'm going to figure a way that we're going to get out of this and cross this Red Sea. And so it's been a seven-year process for me to continue to do that. And it continues to be a, a process because there are still those Red Sea moments even now with some other things I'm doing where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this one, God. But I, I look back and I say, okay, if he brought me out of that Red Sea moment then, there's a good chance he's going to do it again because the history has proven that he's always done that. Am I really ready to recognize that history, acknowledge it, and embrace it and count on it as I go forward? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about big tech or big brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number four, freedommobile.com. So you said something I want to also drill down more on. You say in the book, there is merit in looking back through time. And you just kind of alluded to that a little bit. Tell us what you mean by the merit of looking back through time. The merit in looking back in time is kind of a contradiction to what we're told in the real world is to keep your focus going straight ahead and don't look back. I've never embraced that, Mr. Haney, because I think sometimes there are those moments when you need to pause if you're in a situation and you need to kind of look back through your life for just a minute or so. Because invariably what you're going to see is there are situations similar to what you may be dealing with, say, today, where maybe you should, you didn't think there was any way of getting out of it, that there was no viable solution that was going to get you out of what you're dealing with in today's time. And so I think sometimes God brings back to our remembrance different moments and times and different situations where we found ourselves in that Red Sea moment where we thought, there's no way this is going to work out. And it did work out. 
And I think there's a real purpose in not just the experiences from the past as far as when they happened and how we got out of them, but those moments also serve us because in the future when we're up against a situation, we can think back and we say, well, you know, if God got me through that before, he'll get me through this this time as well. And I think, too, those past experiences are also important because they become a part of our testimony to other people when we encounter them or we interact with them and they're dealing with a situation which might be similar to what we did went through maybe 10, 20 years ago. And we can share our story about, well, okay, this is what happened to me back then, kind of similar to what you're dealing with right now. This is what went, this is how it went for me. This is how God brought me out. And that's important because sometimes people just need to be encouraged just to know that, you know what, whatever they're dealing with is not a unique situation where it's never happened to somebody else before. Because the Bible talks about there's nothing new under the sun. We know that to be a fact. So that, that's what I'm referring to when I say there is merit in looking back because sometimes you need to look back and just see how far God has brought you. And that's just a reassurance that if he brought you back from that, he's going to carry you forward as you move into the future. So I like that because I'm, I'm an Old Testament pastor. And <laughs> I love how the Old Testament talks about remember the faithfulness of God. And, and that's what you're talking about. It, it benefits us to stop and look back in time because when we look back in time, you just kind of said it. it. It reminds us that you didn't get through this on your own, but God no. was faithful in those moments. And as you look back in time, it reminds you that God's always been faithful and God Thank will you. continue to be faithful going forward. So as you look at whatever you're going through today, don't get stuck in that moment because that moment will limit you to see what God will do and has done in the past through you. And for you. Exactly. And the truth of the matter is the enemy is very proficient and causing us to put on blinders about what we're dealing with today to the extent to keep us from looking behind us because he doesn't want us to go back and say, oh, man, you know, God really came through that time. He is faithful because he doesn't want us to remember the fact that God delivered us from stuff that there's no way in the world we could have got out of it or we should have gotten out of it. But the enemy wants us to stay alive and locked in on what's happening right in front of us and not look around us to recognize who God really is. And Satan is a master at that. He's the best ever at that because that's his job is to plant that seed of doubt about the faithfulness of what God can do and who God is. You know, it's funny because one of the things I do on my podcast, a lot of times I talk about race in America. And I love how people get caught up in these are the worst possible times for race relations ever in the history of our country. And, and I say, really? Go back in time and look at what used to be there and look how God brought you through that moment then. And you'll see a pathway forward today as well. Oh, Absolutely. And I'm old enough at 67 now where, hey, I can go back to being seven, eight years old in the 60s and seeing what we were dealing with. Uh, I was part of one of the first classes at my junior high, my middle school, to integrate that school. And that was a daily, daily battle. I'm old enough where, because my last name is Black, 
where if you recall, you know where I'm going, Mr. Haney. I do. <laughs> you recall black back in the 60s? Oh, people were throwing down. They were fighting. And so I had to learn to live with that. So I'm old enough to recognize that. That I can remember one time one of my kids was, one of my uh, friends from the neighborhood was walking with another guy and they saw my mother coming from the store and they said, one guy said, hey, Mrs. Black, how are you doing? The other guy said, man, what are you doing calling her black, man? That's wrong. And the dude said, bro, that's her last name. <laughs> but, you know, saying that because you did not call somebody black back in the 60s. So, yeah, I've lived that. I've lived through the issue of fighting through the immigration and the racism, even in Nebraska, because here it's been more subtle. Right. As opposed to in your face. So you had to learn to recognize the subtlety as opposed to in your face like it was in the South back in the 60s. But there were things we had to deal with. So I see what we're dealing with now. And I think to myself, yeah, it's bad, but you know what? I can still remember seeing those fire holes were being turned on people in the 60s. I can still hear the voices of the parents on April 4th, 1968, coming out of the house screaming and crying when Martin Luther King was killed. I was 13, I think 12 or 13. And I can remember in the city of Omaha in 67, the riots were, you could smell the smoke from two or three miles away. So, hey, I, I've seen that. I'm not sure how, how you are with that, but I, I've seen that and I've been around long enough to know that, you know what? Yeah, it's bad, but trust me, it's nowhere near as bad as it was yeah. in the 60s. We've got a long ways to go, but man, the 60s was a whole nother level. Yeah, I grew, up in, I grew up in Louisiana, so it was a little different, even more down south. Oh, I know. Yeah, um, it's hard. But, you know, I love the title of your book, too, Just a Closer Walk, because it was, it was like titles like that, spiritual songs like that, that, that people sang during those difficult times to, to remind us and put our folks again back on what we just talked about. It, it's like as you're going through this difficult time, people kept singing those songs to remind them of God's promises and God's providence. Mm -hmm in those difficult times. So what do you hope people who read this book get out of it? I think as much as anything, Mr. Hagen, when they're reading my book, my writing style is a reflection of my personality, very down to earth, very low key. All of my essays that I write or the Lord has me to write are very down to earth. They're very relatable. And people can just read them, and I hope they can see some of themselves in what I wrote. Like one chapter from the third book, the very first one is called A Blank Canvas. And what I'm talking about in that chapter is the fact that as we start out in life, all of us are, in essence, a blank canvas. And as we go down the road in life, God is in the process of filling this canvas, us, in a certain way, and he's also positioning certain people for you to cross paths with who are going to be a part of that filling process of your canvas over the course of your journey. And so I'm kind of using illustrations like that, which are kind of observational, they're reflective of some things that I have seen and experienced in life. Uh, people have said the one thing they like about all three books is that it's very down to earth, 
it's not preachy, it's not um, denominational. I'm not getting into highfalutin type theology. I'm just talking about everyday type stuff that people can relate to. Because my, my thing has always been this, for right or wrong, and I have to say it's right for me. People can get all hyped up on the damn worship and everything, and that's all well and good, Mr. Haney. But the real thing began, it really began as my father told me, it's called the morning after. And what he meant by that is, who are you the morning after the day of worship? Because that's what the world is looking at. Is your character consistent? Is it reflective of who God wants you to be? Because he said, you know what? You can be on fire on Sunday and raising hell on Monday. <laughs> and the raising hell on Monday is what people are going to associate with your Christian walk. So he would say things like, okay. That's all well and good that you're speaking in tongues, if that's your thing, but you can't turn around and use that same tongue and cuss out somebody at work the next day because what are people going to remember? He was trying to teach me, be consistent and improve your character each and every day with your closer walk because people are watching us and they are seeing, is the talk in step with the walk? Because the world wants to see what your walk is all about. The, the talk is on your day of worship. And I'm not disrespecting. I think that's great. But it's your walk the other six days of the week that people are going to identify with. And that's what's going to be the drawing factor is who are you when things are going bad? Uh, who do you lean on in the hard times? What do you call on? when things look like they can't be solved by natural means. That's what the world's looking for. And that's what they see, hopefully, in some of us, if not all of us, to a certain extent on a daily basis. I see that now because of looking at my grandmother as far as what it was like when she was growing up and being dirt poor and everything and having next to nothing. Never lost her faith. Never lost that glow of life. And I get it now. I know what it was all about. I was a kid I didn't understand, but now that I'm a man, I get it. But it's those kind of things I think ultimately that are going to really make the difference in somebody's life is what is your walk like and what are people witnessing? That's what it comes down to. I love that. I like to ask my guests this closing question. What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be as much as anything corny as it may sound, did I leave Did I leave the world a better place than it was when I came in? Did I try to have a positive impact on the people whose lives I was a part of? Did I do something that made their life better? Because to me, you can have all the money and the big houses and Lamborghinis, but you know what? You're not going to take it with you when you take that last breath. It don't mean nothing. You don't see nobody going to a graveyard, getting buried in a Lamborghini and going to heaven with it or wherever. It ain't going to happen. But what is the impact that you left in other people? I, I like to think in my college career, working with college students, that I left an impact on them or a part of my legacy to be the best teacher they could and to go on and to 
pour into their student the way I try to in them or the people in my life. That's what it's all about for me. It's like, did I make a difference? It sounds corny, but at the end of the day, I'm going to stick to being corny because I want to know, did I make a difference? Did I impact somebody's life in a way that made it better and encouraged them to not just do what I've done, but to go on and do even better? Because that's what our ancestors wanted us to do. They wanted us to be at one level, keep going up, keep moving up. Think about that Curtis Mayfield song and impression, you know, moving on up. That's what it was all about. Keep moving up and getting better and better because that's what it's about for each generation to make it better for the next. So hopefully in my 67 years, I've done that. I've still got work to do. But when I take my last breath, I can say that, you know what, God? I made a difference for somebody. And making a difference, Mr. Haney, it's not about the quantitative number. It's about the qualitative impact. If you impact in a positive way three or four people, that means the world to somebody else because who are they going to impact based on what you did for them? So it's about the quality of the impact, not the quantity of it. And that's just where I am. That's awesome. So where can they find your book and where can they find you on social media? Well, I'm on social media under Instagram, believe it or not, still learning it. Don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I'm learning. <laughs> it's it's Alan T Black 55. It's A-L-A-N-T black.com and they can go to my website which is <clears throat> alantblack.com that's a-l-a-n-t b-l-a-c-k.com and they can get information on all three books there and just read a little bit about me as as a Christian author and hey I would say in parting words to the audience you know what don't ever think you're too old don't ever think you're not qualified because you're looking at somebody who thought he was too old, didn't think he was qualified, but God ignored my age and he qualified me to do what I'm doing now. Cause trust me, I ain't that deep. That is great. Thank you so much, Alan. And blessings on your book. And may people pick it up, read it, be inspired by it and realize that no matter what age they are, God can still use them for good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. hundred percent. Thank you for joining us this week on From Mess to Miracle. Make sure you visit our website at HHTPS from mess to miracle.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply like to tell a friend about the show, you will help us get the message out to bless more people. If you like this show, you might want similar content. You can follow my blog at www.alightbreakthrough.org. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Just remember, out of our messiness, God makes miracles.